Hey, it's Beth here. Episode uh, 371. I just got back from my trip to Colorado with David for the wedding. The wedding was beautiful. Absolutely beautiful. In, oh my gosh, what is it called? Edwards, Colorado, right outside Vail on the golf course. These two lovely kids got married. And it had two amazing moments. One, when they were giving each other their vows that they wrote, they both said, I give you my love, which is the greatest gift I have to give. Oh my God, it, I don't do it right. It was a beautiful moment. Then everything was kind of just great, typical, typical, beautiful. But then there was this one other unbelievable moment where the groom is dancing with his mother. Oh my God, I'm gonna cry. And Stevie Nicks starts singing that song about how children get older and I'm getting older too. And everybody around the singers started singing the song. And it was, it's called Landslide. And that's kind of great, you know, in Colorado too. But when they all started singing, you know, like, I gave my life to you and children get older. And they were singing it to the mother. Oh my God, it was so beautiful. She was so beautiful, but all these kids, like there were tons of kids at this wedding, they were honoring his mother. And he was honoring his mother with the song. I mean, it was beautiful, just beautiful. If you know somebody who's getting married and they're the mother or the groom, tell them to listen to this song. And the fact that all the kids serenaded this mother. Oh my God, it was beautiful. Then we were crazy. And we go and see Diane. I saw Diane. I found her in Colorado. And she told me to quit bugging her. But she said I could stay and we could spend the night. We had a great time. David found out that Diane's hus husband, Dalton, is David and Dalton shared this guy named Steve, who was David's next door neighbor, who didn't mind him having an Airstream in the in the driveway. I mean, and then in the back where he kind of hit it, he had to use Steve's garage, I mean, his driveway. And they became great friends and Dalton knew all about this David. And then he finds out it's this David. So it was kind of just a great time. And Diane, I asked her, just give me one more tip about uh, the magazine. And I need it, you know, in a day, which was yesterday. And she said, don't call me, I'll call you. So. I have, there's hope. There's hope for me. She's not gone. I know where she is. So maybe she'll call me today. Maybe she, when she said tomorrow, she meant two days from that day. Lots of people do that to me. So that was a wonderful trip. And in the backyard of the house we were in was a babbling brook. It looked like a Coors commercial. Colorado was great. It was filled with great people. So on the way home, we were gonna do it in two days, and for some dumb reason, we just did it in one. We drove 21 hours because we went to go see the Garden of the Gods, which was, it was nice. But then we got back in the car and we were just, I think we had like, I don't know, 19 hours more to go, and we just thought we could, and we did. And we got so uh, punch drunk, just driving sober, but you know, really tired that for the last six hours, we listened to the station called Yacht Rock. 
that played all the songs from the 70s and 80s. And I, I mean, I was married in the 70s, so I didn't know them all, but I knew enough of them. And then I faked the rest. So for the last six hours, we just sang songs in the car. I felt like I was 18. It was so much fun. So that was my trip and it was great. But I come home and the New York Times is waiting for me and there's this story called Belly Up. And it's about the Stork Club. And that was like this huge fun place in the 30s and 40s and Walter Winchell was there. And it was the New Yorkiest place in New York. And it had scandals. Um, Humphrey Bogart wasn't allowed back in because he fought with um, the guy who owned it. His name was Sheldon. He fought with Sheldon. And um, Ernest Hemingway cashed his check for giving the film rights for full, for whom the whole, the, for whom the bell tolls, $100,000. He, he gave him the check and they gave him $100,000 in cash that night. Ernest Hemingway also got in a huge brawl and broke a bunch of things, having a fight with a, um, the superintendent of Sing Sing, um, prison, which I think was pretty bold. I don't think I would take that guy on because maybe he might, be able to get me, uh, you know, some accommodations that I wouldn't really want. And um, all kinds of romances. Walter Winchell, that columnist, sat at a table and he's, he was radio and, and paper, the gossip columnist for the country. And he had a table there, never took on the Kennedys, never took on, there were some mafia people there too. In fact, um, when this Sheldon guy started becoming pretty lucrative when the place became lucrative he was rans he was he was kidnapped and his wife and all of his friends wouldn't pay the ransom so he had to pay the ransom himself so from that day forward he had a hundred thousand dollars in his safe at all times for the ransom the other thing about this guy that was great is that he'd been a bootlegger in Oklahoma and he the way he got going is he what's the word, um, bribed, no, just gave money to all of the, um, all of the Western Union, um, the big shots across the country to get all of the movie stars addresses. He get, he sent letters to all of them saying, if you come, you can, you can have whatever you want for free in this club. They came in droves. The way the guy made the money is he had this golden rope and it was made of 14 karat gold out in front of his uh, club and nobody was allowed in. People called Sherman a racist, but Walter Winchell said that he wasn't a racist. He hated everyone. The only thing he didn't hate was money. You could be green. If you had enough money and you were famous enough and you were syndicated enough, you could get into this club. So it was everybody from all across the country wanted to get in. So what he did was every single night he found out from, I don't know, spies, there'd be a couple of guys on the line from places like Kansas City and they were millionaires. And he would have his doorman just out of the blue, let this guy and his girlfriend, wife in to the restaurant. The guy would be so thrilled and so charmed that he would spend a fortune. 
and he would tip everybody wildly and he would buy bottles of booze for all the celebrities that were there because he was a big shot for once in his life. That's where all his money came from. I can't believe that. One night he, because the mafia was really mad at him because he wasn't in the mafia. He wouldn't go into the mafia. He also hated, hated unions. So they would do things to him all the time. One night they got into a secret room at the club, which he only had a key to. And it had the skull and crossbones and it was the real deal. So then he put $900,000 more into his safe because he thought the ransoms were going to be higher. That's how this guy operated. And the club was so successful for years. He, he was a racist. He only liked wasps at the table. He thought they dressed better. He liked the proportions with the tables and the chairs in the hotel. And he loved looking at them at the bar, which was mahogany. And it had beautiful flowers that were gorgeously um, cut out into the wood. And he just thought they were prettier than Italians and Jewish people and black people, and especially the Irish. He said the Irish looked pretty good in the beginning of the night, but as the night went on, they slumped in their chairs. And he thought that was very bad for business. So his club was going great. And he said that his downfall was James Dean in his t-shirt and his jeans. He changed what America wanted to see. And everybody at the Star Club, Marilyn Monroe, every single one of them, all the beauties, Joan Crawford, whoever they were, that was not what America wanted anymore. But what also happened at the very same time is he took on the unions. It was terrible. And I mean, he fought them viciously and he lost. And at the same time, Josephine Baker came into the club and there was a back room. They called it the cub and, and the guys that were in the back were, that was where the real showbiz people were. And that's where they could really be themselves. She was led back there with her table and she was given one drink and they never came back to give her any more. And she felt snubbed and she told Walter about it. And she told all the newspapers about it. So the star club uh, got the reputation for being racist and anti-union. And they were absolutely done in by that. He went bankrupted. He went, he was bankrupted and he actually had used his children's, um, trust funds, $10 million to try to keep it alive. It didn't work. And the place was sold to Columbia Broadcasting. And it was the whole building was turned into a small park with this giant waterfall at the end. It's very serene. It's very pretty. And I mean, it, it was the end. And he told his wife, he had like 4 million bucks left. And he told his wife, he wanted to start another club somewhere. And she said, why don't we, why don't you give retirement a year? Just give it a year. So, what he did was he gave it a year and they lived in this small little apartment in the city. And it was October 4th, 1965. That was when the year started of his retirement, October 4th, 1966. He was lying in bed with his wife. He looked, he grabbed his back and he said to her, Hazel, are you still hiding jelly beans in the mattress? And then he laid back, had a heart attack and died. And Hazel said that she was hiding jelly beans on the mattress and she felt guilty 
for the rest of her life. So that was that. But the interesting thing in the paper is that the bar, which is absolutely gorgeous, it had a second life and it was sold to this, this wonderful guy who just, he just built this, he just took it and made up, made up, made his own bar out of it called Jim Brady's. It was a really big spot in New York. A lot of people went, Peter O'Toole went to his place and nursed pint after pint of Guinness. Jim, Jimmy Breslin drank there every night. And one night he waited for the phone call, the contact phone call from David Berkowitz, the murderer known as Son of Sam. So it had a complete life again, being the bar in this Jim Brady's club. Okay, well, 2020, Jim Brady's club can't handle, you know, the coronavirus and it has to close. Could not, his rent went way up and they just couldn't pay it. So his final day, he served to his longtime customers corned beef on St. Patrick's Day. And after that, it had a little tiny life, this bar, as a table for people getting COVID-19 testing. But then that was all over too. And then it's gone. I mean, it's in storage. It's, it's just, it's, it's nowhere. Nobody wants it. The place, the building is being turned into a, into a preschool and a school, and they don't have a place for a bar in it. They won't even address the history of it or care. So this is just being thrown away. And I just think, oh my God, isn't there a bar in Milwaukee or somewhere that wants to have this beautiful, beautiful mahogany, thick as can be, beautiful as can be, bar to just disgrace the building. They're saying no. They just want light colors and little flimsy chairs that people can fall off. I'm just like, oh my gosh, I just wish somebody would buy it. I wish it would get a third life. But I certainly don't have the money. And I just think actually in a school, it would be a wonderful bit of history. I don't know why kids can't, can't learn that and appreciate it and polish it and keep it lovely. But nope, it's just in some storage dump and they're thinking it's just going to go in the trash. So I don't know anybody. I don't know anybody at all, but maybe you do. And okay, the guy who owned it, his name is, oh my gosh, what is his gorgeous name? His name is um, 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 Jim Brady and Joe o O'Day. He's, he's the former bartender. Those guys, they're still in New York and Mr. Quinn. You can, you can find them if you want to buy it. Look right in somebody's house. It's just, it just shouldn't be trashed. I mean, even though it's a bar, it's history. Even though they're just movie stars, it's history. I mean, some astronauts went in there and politicians. So anyway, that's all I'm thinking. But I'm still pretty much on Colorado time and still exhausted. A day and a half later, 21 hours of driving is a bit much, although Everyone's stories of flying with delays and um, canceled planes. They're doing 21 hours of transit. And you know what? It's a bit much. At 68, it's a bit much. But I just wanted to tell you about the beautiful wedding and the Stevie Nicks song, Landslide. Just, just listen to it and imagine this couple dancing, this mother and son. Oh gosh, they were so sweet. And everybody around them serenading them to the song. 
it'll give you goosebumps, I promise. So stay sane. That, that memory gives me sanity. I mean, the lyrics are just so beautiful for a mother of the groom. So I'm going to do it. I'm going to talk to Matt. And as soon as he finds the girl, and as soon as he's getting married, we're going to dance to this song at his wedding. I just, I want it desperately. So anyway, stay sane, keep all your dreams, and I will be back. Thanks. Bye-bye.